Sports for the Sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it's Wednesday, April the 26th, as we record this one. Uh, we're going to get into spring football and basketball uh, recruiting, which is obviously uh, kind of the, the topic tandem du jour uh, this time of year. Uh, Virginia going to finish up spring ball on Saturday with the, with the uh, annual festival, um, and obviously it's also a big uh, hoops recruiting time because the staff will be out on the road for the second weekend in a row. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about kind of what, what I saw in Hampton as well as kind of what's going on with, with uh, spring practice. Uh, before we get into that, let's uh, go around and introduce everyone. Up in Fishersville, David Smith is on the show. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter? Some of the, one of these days, I'm going to remember to do the whole hashtag Ask Dave. I, I still I keep forgetting, but one day, one day it'll happen. Uh, up in Arlington, now that his phone is back operational uh, and his Skype works, uh, Justin Ferber is also on the show. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Don't take your phone in hot tub, folks. It's a bad idea. It will break your phone. At uh, Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, I will say that, that I will provide some uh, some legitimacy to, uh, to Ferber's uh, report there. Yes, if you take an older iPhone in hot tubs, it will not exist any longer. Um What's interesting to me, though, is that you just like nonchalantly like drop that in there. So, so to clear up to cl- before we leave this completely behind. So all you did sure. is you literally just got in the hot tub and we're like, oh, crap, it's in my pocket. No, uh, and uh, there was like 10 minutes that went by. So, <laughs> so at that point, at that point, at that point, there was no saving it. And also, you have to remember that I don't I mean, the waterproof iPhones might be able to resist water, but I don't know how long it would be able to deal with the 105 degree one yeah, that's a good point um i would love to try it out but i mean basically like i just had shorts on that had pockets and they were kind of baggy and they just you, i couldn't feel the phone up against my leg so there you have it folks don't do that <laughs> yeah Hi, i mean water is one thing but but a hot tub for 10 minutes that's uncharted waters uh that's that's something right there okay let's, yeah the rice uh, isn't gonna bring that one back to life no 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 right <laughs> no rice is gonna is gonna do that did you did you when you took it to the apple store like did they oh no you said you filed a uh, insurance claim right yeah exactly i'm sure the listeners are just loving this i'm right sure now. well listen <laughs> I, look when, when i said phones and hot tubs i'm sure that they were they were like excuse me what um speaking of things that they actually maybe tuned in for let's talk uh spring football obviously there was another open practice this week, which gave at least some of us a chance to, to see the team. Um, I'm curious, though, given how I know you guys kind of consume this stuff, um, how what you saw, read, heard, matched up maybe with what you were kind of hoping to see, uh, hear, and read. Um, what are your overall impressions? That's kind of where I want to start this conversation tonight. Where, where are your overall impressions for this team? Um, how do you feel about things? Are there things that you're concerned about? Dave, let's start with you. Do you how do you feel general, generally about this team and, and where do you, where do you kind of stand on on uh, positives and negatives right now? Uh, I mean, I still I'm still very apprehensive. I, I, like, look, I want to be excited about football. It's my favorite time of year. Like, I love basketball, but football season, just because it you know you do it once a week, it's easy to get everyone together. It's an event. Like, that's a big time. Um, it really sucks not being super pumped about an upcoming season. Um, so I want to be excited. That said, the last few years haven't lended itself to that. Um, and as guys who do podcasts, putting yourself out there and predicting bowl seasons when it doesn't happen gets old over and over and over again. Um, but like we discussed, I mean, 
there's so many question marks with the team on the defensive line and the offensive line that are going to dictate in many ways how this season goes. Uh, obviously, quarterback play is huge, but um, you know it, it's going to be line play that, that kind of tells the tale of the 2017 Virginia team. So it's and but you look at the spring and you've got Brown out and you've got you know you got so many so so little. Um, depth on the offensive line with so many transfers coming in you can't get a true answer um so that said like obviously that's going to be a question mark even going into the fall camp both of the lines but i have been you know moderately moderate i'm gonna you say moderately about everything because i refuse to be you're completely gonna, you're gonna be excited yeah, everything is gonna be tempered right <laughs> yeah um yeah i'm moderately encouraged by what i'm hearing from the play of kurt you know about the play of kurt ben kurt i mean um you know, it sounds like he's a little more kind of his knee, seems to know offense a little better, throwing the ball. Maybe he's got his mobility back that he didn't have last year. Um, that goes a long ways. But the thing I'm most encouraged about is listening to the coaches and reading interviews with them. It's They seem to know who this team is now and know the guys a lot better. Um, you know, I think back to when Bronco got here last year, and you guys will probably remember, he said he pretty much – whether this is true or not, he pretty much said they didn't watch any old game film of the players. They wanted to see them fresh and not have any expectations for what they were. Um, and I think you maybe saw that in the way that they used OZ last year. So it, it seems like they have a better handle of the strengths and weaknesses of our players, especially on offense. Um, and that's encouraging for me because I, I think there's some, there's maybe not the depth of talent there and elite speed at every position, but there's enough pieces there to be a better offense than we were last year. Um, and the fact that they're recognizing that is encouraging. Ferber, what about you? Where where you currently stand going uh, going into Saturday's uh, Spring Festival? So, I mean, I'm kind of like Dave, where it's you know it's hard to it's hard to judge just based on how many people are out with injuries. Um, you, you know, it would be one thing if it was a complete team and you could kind of see a little bit more of how they're going to look, you know, starters and everything like that. I mean, some position groups are healthy and some aren't. So um, that kind of dictates like, you know, what you're going to see in a practice. But like Dave, I mean, uh, cautiously, um, I guess, pleased with, with things that you hear about the quarterback play. I mean, I don't remember them ever taking such a, the coaches, I mean, taking such a positive stance towards his play last fall. I mean, obviously they named him the starter and all that good stuff, but, I don't remember them kind of gushing about how he's played like they have in recent weeks. But I also, you know, to Dave's point, uh, I think that um, something Broncos said the other day was kind of interesting. I thought that, you know, BYU, when he took over after being defensive coordinator, he kind of, uh, you know, had a good idea of what the strengths and weaknesses of the team were and like what they needed from an infrastructure standpoint and, you know, what the players needed from a motivational standpoint. Um, and he feels like he has that here now, and he has kind of admitted that he didn't feel like he had that last year, even if he might have had some observations or just general thoughts about, you know, what the team needed. Now he feels like he kind of knows that stuff, so I think that's encouraging. Um, you know, I, I kind of agree with what Dave said. I mean, the depth might not be where it needs to be for them to compete on a high level, but at the same time, I mean, you do have some pieces that, if you know how to use them a little bit better than you did last year, I mean, at least that gives you a little bit more promise. I mean, you see that they're kind of like reincorporating the tight end into the offense and maybe playing a little bit less, uh, you know, with a little bit less tempo. So I think that he kind of is 
able to now match the scheme to the players and kind of go from there. But again, until you see it in the fall on the field in real games, um, it's kind of hard to get too carried away. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the thing that stands out to me the most um, is not even it's not even just personnel. It is literally the fact that they're hitting and and playing more football than I can remember any. Like they've gone like on almost a dramatically um, opposite direction, right? Like um, it's like the first. I mean, in the fall, in the fall, it was just all it was so many drills, like. It was. I mean, they only have so much time they can practice, and it right. felt like there was so much time used on like earning things and you know will development and just like stretching the right way at the beginning of practice and going back and doing stuff over if you got it wrong. It didn't feel like there was a ton of football there. Yeah, I think I think that's both. I think that's probably fair and also somewhat not fair. I mean, I think that there's definitely something to be said for you couldn't just jump in and be like, all right, guys, let's run this play. Like, I do think they had to do a significant amount of building. And it, it's yeah. tough. It's tough to look at it in in hindsight and say, "Well, you did it the right way when you went two and ten. And I think the two and ten is always going to be the thing uh, until there's a new season and they've played more. You know, there's that's always going to be the thing that you that you stand on. But like, I like the fact that they're playing more football. I, I like the fact that they're tackling more, um, not just each other, but the 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 rolling tackle dummy uh, big circle things or. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's just a, an invaluable tool, and I can't believe that it took this long for football uh, to to really catch up with that idea that you could have something that literally they can roll to a spot and a guy can track it and, and hit it, um, which is important. I, I just feel like that piece in and of itself, I mean, you know, we, we talked about before about the fact that so many guys have added weight and, and added size, and I really think that ultimately to be the team that they wanted to be last year, they spent so much time worrying about uh, – the worrying about like um, guys being able to carry uh, a certain uh, to be able to basically carry a load, right? But they didn't worry. So it, it was physical in the sense like they were going hard and they were going they were going fast or whatever. But it wasn't physical in terms of their strength. And I, they were they can't play this way without being stronger. And so I think that ultimately that plus the the amount of actual like competition football that they're playing, like they're doing some drill work here and there, but it's primarily and it, people who come to the spring festival will see it because i mean it's basically just going to be a practice like it's all football like they're not like it, they're going to see a lot of football on saturday like good on good kind of stuff and you're going to wonder oh that's what that's what they did to to make it a game no no that's just what it is like that's that's um that's what it is and so i, I as much as i'm encouraged by what ben kirk has shown me as much as i'm encouraged by what andre lavroni has shown me as much as i'm encouraged by how much alameda zacchaeus is active and, and involved um, as much as I honestly have seen from Daniel Ham and, and Jordan Ellis, offensively, until I'm like you guys, until you see it in the fall, it's tough to, to make any kind of predictions or, or feel comfortable with it. But certainly the idea that this, that this staff knows their, their players and knows the team uh, and as a whole much better uh, makes a lot more sense. Defensively, because they do have no, no Andrew Brown on the defensive line and, and, def- and that pressure is so important, um, I, I, I'm really curious to see what they're like in the fall once one Malcolm Cook has had more time to sort of be back in a football mindset and, and be back in a football body um, what, what kind of gains are these guys going to make in the uh, in, impending offseason uh, in the summer months um, like Chris Peace already looks like a completely different dude uh, Jordan Max put on a whole bunch of weight um, and still playing pretty fast I mean that's, that's the other thing is like, I, don't, I don't get the sense like these guys have added weight and are slow um, so I think defensively there's a lot to work with, and I think we all expect that group to be uh, pretty good. Um, 
I, I, the question is just going to be, you know, how, how good uh, they can be. Um, now, in terms of what you expect to see on Saturday, um, what kind of expectations are we taking uh, into Saturday, Dave? What, what, are, I'm get, you, are you, you going to be there? You're gonna be a, a a good fan. I unfortunately will not be there. Uh huh. Yeah. I will not be there. Some of some of us got to run businesses, First one right, Dave? Like ten years, man. Well, maybe. maybe well, well you know what though? If, if you miss the spring <laughs> game and then they come back and have like a great season, oh, I'll never, never go again. You can never go to I'll another spring go. game. So, yeah. so if you were going to go, or maybe in just in general, what what, what are you expecting out of that? It, it sounds to me <laughs> that Bronco plans it to be basically just a practice. But what? Let's let's even like focus on not just like what you expect to see, but also like what do you expect fans to take away from it? Like. I, I expect – let me – I'll just go first on this one. Like, I just kind of expect people are going to overreact to whatever they see. Like, I feel like that's the standard, like, thing is that there will be folks on the board that night who will be super excited if, 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 if the offense played well. And they'll be super, like, bummed if they didn't, if they didn't play well. Like, my, my expectation is that people are going to wildly overreact. What's, uh, what are your expectations for, this, for the festival? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the number one. I mean, it doesn't matter what you see. <laughs> it it's going to be the one time that the fans have been able to see the team. So, you know, bad play is going to convince them that doom and gloom is, a, is coming. And if you see the offense comes out and, and does well, my guess is a Virginia fan, instead of saying the offense is really good, it's going to be like, oh, my God, the defense sucks. Um, so it's going to – so the spring games, as fun as they are to go to, like you can't win as a fan if one, one side of the ball is going to do better than the other. So – unless you've got a proven defense and you see your offense doing well against it, it's just a lot of question marks. The one thing, look, last year, I remember, you guys remember, I mean, last year they got a standing ovation for stretching in unison. Um, I mean, the crowd went crazy. I don't know if we okay. I really okay, hope calm we're down. Past I don't that know point. if they went crazy. They che- they che- no, they, they went crazy. They man. did not go like, crazy. The crowd stood up and got loud. Um, just because the team was stretched, I, I don't expect we're going to see that. I mean, <laughs> there were people there. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm using the term crap. Well, that guess, was the last. I guess the people who would be there are people that would listen to this podcast. So that's yeah, true. Yeah, you're, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Which is my last expectation, which is, I assume, you know, we're going to hear complaints about how few people showed up. So, well, that's the spring the spring game trio. <laughs> Ferber, what about you? Are you you coming Saturday? Uh, that's kind of up in the air. TBD. Um, yeah, we'll see. Okay, um, fair enough. So, I, I like you know I keep I keep saying this and I feel bad for repeating it over and over again, but because you have so many guys that you know are going to play significant, and this is the same. It's not a UVA thing. Like every spring practice across the country, there's guys missing, um, and then obviously you don't have a bulk of your freshman class there either. So. I'm interested to see how specific position groups do, particularly the ones that, you know, the the bulk of the guys are going to be there, like the linebackers. Um, obviously, that's going to be a different kind of looking group. Um, obviously, Micah Kaiser's a, you know, he, he's a constant. But other than that, I mean, you have Malcolm Cook, who we didn't really get to see, um, except for a little bit in the fall before he had his medical issue. Um, and then Jordan Mack, I mean, obviously, like, the way that he's going to be used this year is different in ways. So, I mean, that'll be interesting. And then just to see, you know, how Chris Peace um, fits in, I mean, with that group. And then whoever else, you know, that, that needs to get action in the spring game because of lack of depth or whatever. Um, I think that'll be interesting. And then the secondary, obviously, I think getting Tim Harris back uh, could be a huge resource for them because we didn't even get to see him play last year, really. So, 
Um, we don't, I mean, we all had high hopes for him because of the way the defense was, you know, going to be different than what he had to use, you know, what he was um, subjected to under John Tenuta. Um, but I mean, I, I think obviously Kurt has the ability to light it up in this type of environment. Um, but I tried to get too carried away with that sort of thing because, for one, he knows he's not going to get hit. And, I mean, no matter how much you think that that's not going to make a difference, it does. Um, you have more confidence in planning and throwing. Um, you have more confidence to ma- extend plays and do stuff that you wouldn't normally do. Um, so that can impact the mental aspect of playing quarterback. So I, I wouldn't get too carried away if he had a big day out there or anything like that. But um, And then, obviously, besides that, just the freshman running backs. Um, I mean, obviously, it won't be really like a game – experience like a real game but um obviously seeing those guys in action the two true freshman atkins and peacock for the first time would be cool so those are the three things that i kind of i'm looking forward to one one thing one thing that's interesting to me in in a variety of ways is the idea that um that that we that we do have some 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 young kids to see and so like seeing atkins and peacock (laughs) in this type of game is important but also being able to see um, if Jermaine Crowell can go, because I'm not really sure at this point like how much he's actually been able to participate this spring. Um, I, I believe he hurt an ankle. I think it was an ankle injury. I think Bronco said lower leg. Um, so maybe it's a calf. I, I'm not sure. But the bottom line is that I thought he had a really good chance to be in, in, in a, a potential piece of the puzzle in the fall. And right now it seems like maybe this spring wasn't quite what he needed it to be. Um, and so... I just feel like, in in some ways, um, it's like it's like um, it's like you th- you feel like you feel like they're going to they're they're going to get reps and they and 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 you know that 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 ultimately they do have a leg up because they were here early, but at the same time, Ham and Ellis are so clearly um, are so clearly the top two guys. And I think, you know, it's funny. I've been asked this a couple times about Ellis and whether or not he's a speed back or big back. But, I mean, kind of the way they're using him is a little bit of both. And I wonder if that versatility ultimately, I don't want to say makes the differentiation between those two positions, you know, uh, obsolete. But it, it, certainly, it, certainly, it certainly sort of takes the, that juxtaposition off the table, right? It sort of, it sort of, it sort of makes it so that they, um, you know, like they – they can both be in at the same time, and one can kind of fit where where the other one isn't. And and, and I kind of I like the idea of the offense with with two backs, but I do want to see Atkins and Peacock. I think clearly they're the future, and they look pretty pretty dang good from what I've seen. Uh, Crowell and Burton. I mean, I, look, I, I gotta say, Zachariah Burton has. I mean, he looks like a he looks like he belongs. Like physically, he looks ready. And so I'm really curious to see what he does in the fall. I, but the two of those guys at cornerback, I think, would be. Um, a really nice piece behind uh, Tim Harris and Bryce Hall. Um, you know they they, I, they must have a lot of faith in those guys because they moved Juan Thornhill to, to safety, moved Miles Robinson to safety. Um, but that that secondary depth is something else I'm going to be watching on Saturday. I mean, like Kirk Benkirk, every practice I've been to, he's looked really good. And I don't think it's because uh, the the secondary is, is is playing poorly. I think it's because they're just not getting much pressure on the quarterback. The one thing I'll say in relation to what Ferber was just saying about, like, you know, when a quarterback knows he's not going to get hit, he, he, he's, he can play differently. 
the way that this coaching staff has the way that the staff has really set this up as like a competition between the offense and the defense like he knows he needs to hurry up because he can't get sacked now it's not quite maybe mentally the same as knowing you're about to get popped but he also knows that if he doesn't produce the offense suffers and if the offense suffers they're going to have to do some craziness like push you know God, sleds, and I, it was just nuts, like the things that the defense had to do a couple practices ago that we saw. So I, 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 I completely agree. It's not the same when you're not facing live bullets, but it's, I don't think it's also like he's just out there uh, you know, without, without any kind of urgency. I do think he, there is a significant amount of urgency. Not to mention he, he, he wants to impress the coaches. He wants to continue to have a huge, uh, a huge lead in, in that quarterback competition so that you know, by the time the fall comes, you know, he's in a, in a really good spot. Um, Last thing on the football side before we switch gears, obviously it was a, a flurry of commitments, as I, as I wrote the other day. Virginia picks up four in three days, um, three of them coming on Saturday, but though not being announced uh, until Sunday. Uh, Tavares Kelly, a nice speedy little wide receiver, looks like a, a, a sure bet for the, for the return game. Um, outside linebacker, potentially maybe a defensive end down the road, Case Gatlin um, from IMG um, was, was second. And then you got the two offensive linemen, three stars, Joe Bissinger and Will Lawrence. Will Lawrence's uh, offer sheet has been quite the source of discussion among folks on the board. Uh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily something that that we need to get into now, but I'm I am curious to just get your general sense of of how excited you are about the 18 class now that they've all of a sudden be you know packed a bunch of dudes, which are some solid recruits. I mean, these are not just like guys with you know you're taking flyers on. So these are solid kids. How do we feel about? not just this past weekend, but also the start of the 2018 class in general. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. How do you how, what are your, what's your general vibe on, uh, on the recruiting class so far? A lot better than it was like four to five days ago. I mean, we've, we've talked about it before, but you know, we, we assume Virginia needs to get a bulk of their, let, let's assume the season doesn't go well. You want to have as much of your class put together early as you can. Um, so, and no, I, you just want to take guys for the sake of taking them. But um, I mean, it's pretty clear this this staff has a very good eye on what positions they need, how many players they need, and everything else. And we've seen that in the offers and the commitments they've gotten since they have arrived at UVA. Now, it, maybe it's not four and five star guys, but it's it's depth and quality, and you know. Um, well, depth and quality mainly uh, at, at positions of need, and certainly a, a emphasis on on the offensive line that was lacking over the few years of last few years that London was here. Um, Gatlin's an interesting kid. I mean, his his tape looks really good. He kind of, you know, kind of reminds me of a couple of the outside linebackers we took last year. Um, and then uh, shoot Kelly, right? Mm-hmm. That is just yeah. totally drew a blank. Um, look, I mean. It looks like this year Daniel Ham's probably going to return punts or Chuck Davis. Yeah, both um, of them. Yeah. If Ham doesn't, so I mean, if you just watch his, if Kelly does nothing but return punts like he did in high school, that that's a valuable weapon, to, you know, to add to your team. Um, and then I saw. I'm not going to get into the debate about <laughs> were they committable offers or not for Lawrence, but he's a heck of a yeah. He's a good a good player at a position of extreme need for Virginia. Um, and Bissinger maybe didn't have the offer sheet, but you know I'm sure you guys heard it. But Bronco kind of mentioned this in the wrap up of the I believe it was during the signing day wrap up. 
that they believe you need to re- like target two different kinds of offensive linemen, like right. yeah, ready to contribute right away in the developmental ones. Right. And it makes complete sense. I mean, there's no read. Be great if you can go out and sign, you know, six five star players, but look, that's probably not going to happen. So, you know, identify ones that can tr- contribute early, develop the other ones. Then you don't have to worry about a guy who's thinks he's ready to play for three years, sitting on the bench and then transferring out <laughs> and playing for someone else. So, true. There, there's some sense to it. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think the thing for me for we'll get, I, I get to you in a second. I promise. I think the thing for me that I thought was really interesting was one, um, we know we know they're going to go deep on the offensive line. For them to to not just uh, to not just bring in a couple kids, but two solid prospects, right? These are guys that 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 are that you can look at and say, you know what, those are that, that's that's the type of kid they need to be getting right now. Um, one thing that's different about the 2018 class compared to last year's is that even though that was a their first full cycle. They didn't have the lead time for scouting kids early, and so they they almost I think they actually psyched themselves out a little bit. Instead of making up for that by offering a bunch of kids and getting on the board, um, they they kind of still tried to evaluate, and so they they didn't offer as many kids in that class. This year, offers are just flying out left and right, and and it's funny. Brian Kelly was on the um, ACC call today before Bronco, and and I caught a part of his uh he, he was asked a question about recruiting and he and he said something to the effect of that essentially at Notre Dame and I hope I'm paraphrasing this right but basically that they have two offers there's the offer that gets you in the door okay and then there's the offer from him that's committable and I've never heard a coach actually come out and say that like I think we all understand how, how recruiting works football basketball especially like there are times where you where you're okay with a kid thinking he has an offer where maybe he doesn't technically have an offer Right, you're okay with him with him just um, just thinking that you have an offer from UVA and you're, and you're and you're continuing on your recruitment. There are also those kids that you know if you said that they have an offer, they'd commit, and so you you slow play them. And then you have these kids that if you don't offer, you're not going to be a part of their recruitment. Like you can talk to them and you can recruit them and you can you know reach out to them and text them or whatever, but you're not going to get really any traction with them until you offer. And so it was interesting to me to hear Kelly say that because that's sort of I think a lot what a lot of Virginia's offers were. Uh, this this year going in for the 18 classes basically like hey we want you and then once that kid you know when you start getting a little traction you start inviting them to to charlottesville and you're like hey we want you to see what it's like um and that that became a huge component of of really the way that they do things so in a way i kind of feel like that's some of this is is the fruit of that labor right that not just getting on kids earlier but also having a process that they've stuck to and i'm really curious to see bronco said something in the presser at the end of practice, basically saying like, "Hey, we we could have another flurry like that this weekend," and maybe that's true. Um, you know, my, my cousin Jamie on Franklin's coming. Um, maybe maybe you know maybe Virginia can get him um, to not love Notre Dame so much. But uh, the the bottom line is, is I think that these are really nice gets. Uh, it, it puts the class in a really good spot because you know they're going to go f- the full the full amount. So Ferber, what do you what do you think? Do you how, how do you feel like uh, how do you feel about these these four kids? Do you, do you, do you, do you like where Virginia is in the class? And and do you is, do you think it's realistic to think that this is maybe the start of something important? I think overall, <coughs> I'm sorry. I, I feel like overall it's pretty easy to be pretty pleased with where they are. Um, I mean, obviously they've kind of addressed some needs uh, with the offensive line, uh, and not only that, but I mean. 
I was a little bit critical of the last class just because of the overall quality. I thought that they had a lot of like maybe depth guys, but probably not a lot of guys that um, would be impact players until maybe like their fourth year if, at that. Um, but I really think this class has been kind of built around some really solid players. I mean, I really like Garrett um, from New Jersey. And then obviously with the late additions, the two offensive linemen, I mean, they look like ACC caliber players and, and Gatlin, uh, I'll give them a little bit more latitude with linebacker just because, um, and I think his film's good, like Dave said, but, uh, I mean, as far as like taking guys that might need to, you know, be projects or whatever, because of the way they use their linebackers, um, it's more about fit than anything else. Whereas like on the offensive line, you always have to have guys that are capable of playing against the, you know, ACC level defensive line. So, um, I think it's encouraging a lot of guys from Florida, uh, which is interesting, but, I think it's good to get in at those big schools like IMG and St. Thomas Aquinas um, and, and maybe develop some pipelines there. Those kid, those places always have a lot of kids going D1. So, I mean, it's always good to get into those places. And then I, I think, yeah, I think it's the it's a promising start. Um, we'll see, I guess, if it is a, a new a trend of maybe like some improved recruiting or if it's uh, more of just like a coincidence that they happen to get all these guys at once. But it seemed like Bronco is looking forward to this weekend and maybe getting a couple more. Uh, I mean, I don't know who exactly that would be at this point, but um, I mean, I think that they're off to a better start than they, they were in 2017, which is to be expected, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think that's a good place to, to, to make the transition over to, um, to to hoops. Obviously, this was a big weekend down in Hampton. Um, and if anybody who followed my updates could tell, uh, the, the Samuel kid, the Tyree Samuel, the three-star, um, 18, maybe 19, um, from Aruadel Baptist by way of Canada, um, that kid, I mean, I watched that kid maybe for like a minute and a half because I, I, wa- I think that was when they were playing Boo Williams. And I, and I, and I go to watch that kid, and he just, like, he hit a shot, and within like a minute and a half I was like, yeah, I want something just like this. You know, like that's, that's, what, that's what they need. Because he he was really impressive to me, um, and ultimately I, I know that there were lots of targets, but he was the guy that stood out the most. And I, I know UVA is going to be involved or try to get involved in that one. Um, but there weren't really other any other guys who really flashed in the pan for me. I, I was I was a big fan of Mike DeVoe. I was a big fan, obviously, Kelton Johnson. Um, I was a big fan of um, the kid from. Uh, from Team Mello, uh, Brendan Adams. Um, not a very big fan at all of uh, KJ Himes. Um, I, I, I didn't. I, I saw a couple other. Emmett Williams was one who was a very productive big, but I'm not real sure if he necessarily fits what Virginia wants. I mean, Virginia really looking for offense in that class. But in terms of of, uh, of basketball recruiting, you guys got a chance to to sort of consume everything, not just what I was doing, but also. Um, what the the mothership was doing from from uh, from New York and Dallas, um, Quinterly seems to be the guy that everybody sort of wants. Um, is he the guy that you guys still want? Um, what I kind of want to do tonight is I want to I want to kind of focus on um, a couple of maybe wish list sort of uh, sort of players. So, one, what did we kind of learn? What do you feel like we learned? about the 2018 class maybe this past weekend. And then, two, I want, to hear, I want you to pick two guys that, that you want uh, in, this, in this class for UVA and, and sort of explain why. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. Talk to me about the 18 class and then also pick me, pick me two guys. I mean, we've talked about the 18 class before and maybe 
I think maybe it was Balsy that we were discussing. He said maybe it didn't have the same depth as some of the classes recently. Um, I mean, the thing I kind of maybe I'm wrong because look, I, I didn't go to Hampton like you or go to anywhere any of the other events, but it it sounds like there's some players that have developed quite a bit that maybe are adding some depth to this class that wasn't perceived to be there prior to this weekend. Um, and I mean, it, it seems that Virginia is well positioned with a lot of guys in the 2018 class that are near the top of the rankings. Um, but I got a sense from some of the interviews I read this weekend that yeah, definitely when you, when you start recruiting those top 50 guys, um, the, the game changes quite a bit. Um, so, you know, they start looking at depth and path to playing time. And that that's one thing that kind of weighed on my mind as we got ready for the podcast tonight was, you know, essentially these guys are looking to come into a team that's only going to be losing Wilkins. Um, I mean, essentially, like, you're going to be beating out either Kyle Guy or Ty Jerome or, um, you know, you have, who else we got here? We got Hunter, we got Huff. I mean, there's a lot of depth on the Virginia team already. They're still going to be there when these elite 2018 guys come up, come in. And I'm wondering if that's part of the reason it's hard for them to pull the trigger early. Um, and that's just pure speculation on my part. But, you know, when you start, when you're talking about top 50 kids, kids that are getting offers from the likes of Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, um, you know, teams that routinely turn over their roster year after year, like <laughs> where, where immediate playing time is not only available, but, you know, very likely as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But my, my two still are the same as the last time we discussed it. Uh, Jalen Smith, just because I like, I just like the guy's game. I, I like what he brings and I like how he fits in, you know, in the pack line. Um, and then Quinterly just, you know, he, he is a different point guard than we different than anything we have on the roster. Now I was tempted to go Johnson over Quinterly after reading all your <laughs> comments about him from Hampton. Um, but I couldn't do it just cause you know, I think Quinterly is the one piece we won't have on the roster at 18. Um, and look, I don't think we have a score like Johnson, the way you were describing him. Um, but I think we, we got something closer to him than we would with Quinterly. What about you, Ferber? Talk to me about what you feel like you've learned about the 18 class and then pick pick a couple guys that you feel like you really want in this, in this group. Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at basketball recruiting, it's a little different than football recruiting where you kind of – hey, can you hang on? Um, so, I mean, obviously in basketball recruiting, it's so competitive that you kind of build a board and, you know, you go through your top guys and once they're committed elsewhere, you kind of move on to guys that are a little bit further down the list and – and like Dave said, from this AAU circuit over the weekend, you kind of see the depth developing in this class. And, uh, I mean, how many options are out there. But, I mean, obviously, I think if you can get Quinterly, I think that would be ideal just from a talent standpoint. But, um, obviously, Keldon Johnson, I think that he would be a great fit from – I think he could do everything that Tony would want him to do defensively and also be an excellent offensive player. Um, and then Jalen Smith, obviously um, – brings a kind of a different skill set. I think that I think that this program could really use. Um, obviously, he seemed a little, you know, somewhat interested in, in UVA. I don't know. Um, it seems like a lot of people think he'll end up at Maryland, but we'll see. Um, those are the two guys that kind of stand out to me the most, Johnson and Smith. I know that's kind of what Dave said, but, um, but again, I think you're kind of spoiled for choice in the backcourt. There's so many guys now that, 
Um, if, if they're not ready to come in right away, like I think Smith and a couple of the other guys would be ready right away. But even somebody like Mike DeVoe, I think you can develop into a good player. I think the thing that, that we have to keep in mind about 18 is that, on the one hand, Virginia is in a spot where this was going to be the class situationally, right, because of the number of scholarships they had and because of the kind of time frame and everything, where they were going to be able to, to, to really target a bunch of like highly rated kids. The problem with 18, and I don't mean this as any disrespect, is that it's just it's not as deep of a class as what they had uh, as what was available in 17. Like there are top 50 kids who probably wouldn't be top 75 kids in the 17 class. Like that's just sort of the way it works. And you can't say, all right, here's numbers one through 14. Things get a little rocky after that. We're going to skip them all the way to 37. Like that's just not how it works. Like you know, the next kid is number 14, and I. And so I feel like there are a handful of guys at the top of 18 who wouldn't, who wouldn't be like you know top 30 players in, in, in most classes. That's not going to differentiate, though, because everybody's picking from the same group, right? Like, it's not, this is not one of those things where, like, oh, man, it really sucks that the 18 class isn't that good um, because, oh, well, this is the year. No, everybody's going to be picking from the, same, from the same crop. And so essentially everybody's on equal playing field. I just mean that in terms of that like what they might be able to get in this class in terms of skill sets and versatility and stuff might be a little bit different. And so if they end up going with a lower rated guy, that doesn't necessarily mean he's lower rated. I know that it seems logical to say that if the, if this class wasn't as good, that a kid who can't even be at the top of it is therefore definitely not as good. But I would actually tell you that the, it's, it's not necessarily that cut and dry, that a kid who is uh, maybe a, a – a three-star at the end of the round was 150. He's not that far away from how good maybe some of these maybe top 50-ish kids are, top 65-ish kids, right? Because everybody's kind of jumbled in the middle. Like, in most classes, you have, like, an elite level, and then you have, like, a super good level, and then, like, maybe you have some, some, some middle ground where there's just varying stages of good. In this class, you have a couple of players at the top who are super good, and then, like, everybody else is really jumbled. It's, like, it's basically like the college basketball season this year, right? You had a couple of good teams, and then, like, and then like everybody else is in the middle together in a big, huge pack that um, is really dif- difficult to differentiate between. So I wouldn't be surprised if in this class you see a lot of risers and fallers throughout um, as the as the re-ranks happen. Um, from Virginia's standpoint, I think if they ended up with Mike DeVoe, I wouldn't be upset at all. Like I like that kid's game a lot. Um, I, I think his I like his size, his length. I like his I, I think his capacity to to handle the load at both the one and the two is important because we all know Virginia plays guards at multiple spots. That's not to say I think Virginia should move on from Quinterly or quickly. Um, or any of those guys. I just feel like if they ended up with DeVoe, I think uh, I'd be happy. Um, Forward-wise, I mean, the bigs are, are tough because what I think Virginia wants is still that back-to-the-basket guy who – maybe not necessarily back-to-the-basket, an offensive post guy, so an AG type. They would love to have that and a bouncy big. I'm, I'm worried that they're going to end up with just kind of like a bouncy big and then kind of something in between. If they end up getting the Samuel kid, I like that a lot because he can score in a variety of ways. He's he can and he can finish. That was the big thing. Is like if you don't have a big like AG who can catch, lean, and get a guy going one way, and then and then put the ball on the deck and and get to the rim, um, at least have a guy who can catch and go to the rim fluidly. And that was the thing with with Samuel that I saw in traffic running the floor. He's a guy who can catch and get to the rim naturally. And that's the thing Virginia really needed last year and just didn't have. Keldon Johnson was, to me, 
far and away the best prospect I saw. Um, now, I admit, I didn't watch Marvin Bagley or, or any of those guys, but, I, but in terms of the, guys, uh, the games that I watched, he was the best. Um, just a, just an, a force of will. And at this level, like, that's special. Like, the, you're not talking – he's not playing a bunch of schmoes here. I mean, they, these are really talented kids who are going to play a lot of college and professional basketball. And, like, this kid was, was really, really good. Um, that being said, I saw a handful of guards I really liked. And so I think that as you look around um, at the different cities and different sort of um, places the coaching staff will be going, um, you know, it's really hard not to like uh, like the Weaver kid, for example. Um, you know, his stuff looked really strong. So I think that Virginia's in a really good spot. I know it drives people crazy they don't have a commitment yet. They, you, you just want a piece to fall. Trust me, so does the, so does the, so does the coaching staff. I'm sure they're in the same boat. Um, but I, I do think that there are lots of good options out there, even if maybe the class as a whole isn't quite um, as, as dope uh, as 2017 was. Um, but I do think that they're in a good spot um, for a lot of really good prospects and guys that fit the needs they want. The only question is going to be, um, if there's any other, uh, what other talent is, is on the team. Um, my last thing on hoops that I, I want to toss out there, um, and you guys don't necessarily have to react to it, but it was something I thought of as I was watching Samuel play. Is it like we can think of him as a guy who needs to change? But with 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 Dre and Jay being there by 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 this time next year, you could just say like Virginia ha- plays a different style. You know, I'm not saying they're going to abandon everything they've ever done offensively. But, I mean, when you have that type of length, it does change things. It just it changes a little bit of who you are. Nigel Johnson creating off the bounce with shooters around him, especially shooters with length, especially shooters who can play multiple positions. I think that's really compelling. And, I, and I'm really curious to see kind of where things are a year from now uh, as we start talking about, you know, oh, you're going to go to Hampton this weekend for 2019. Um, by that point, you, you hope that there's a lot of hay in the barn, <laughs> obviously, you, you, that they haven't had to roll over scholarships because they weren't finding guys they, they liked. But ultimately, I think that, they're, you know, that we'll learn a lot more about what UVA is going to be when we see uh, these guys on the floor. How, 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 how much are, are Kyle and Ty able to improve? Um, how is Mommy able to improve? And, and how did Dre and Jay really uh, kind of get going? Um, in terms of their careers because there's going to be a lot more pressure on them and a lot more asked of them now maybe than there would have been before some of the departures um, following the season. So I think that might be a pretty good place to, to sort of put a pin in it. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll be back next week to talk about the Spring Festival. Um, I love the fact that we have a UVA podcast that talks about UVA sports and two of, two of the three guys on it aren't going to be at the Spring game. <laughs> Um, which is sort of poetic uh, in a variety of ways. Um, not we just not, want to reflect the fan base accurately. <laughs> not that I'm trying to shame you guys into doing anything different. I mean, no, no, you got to do what you got to do. I just, I just thought it was funny when you were, I was like, so you guys going? You're like, nope. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, but no, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it's totally understandable. And like I said, it's just, it's going to be kind of an extension of what we've sort of already seen. Um, you know, if I could, if, if I could be anywhere, I probably would, would want to be an indie um, this weekend for, for the second live period, but maybe that's just me. Um, but anyway, want to thank uh, Justin and Dave for being back on the, on the show as always. Uh, thank everybody out there for giving us a listen um, and giving us uh, some time on your Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, whenever the case may be. For David Spence, for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.